0: Hey everyone, my name is Al Gugliata and I want to welcome you to the Unlearning Project. This is my attempt to break down the origins of our thoughts, our attitudes, our behaviors, our biases, most of which have been imposed upon us by our upbringing. My main goal in this entire podcast is is to pivot from a place of self-judgment that we're all too familiar with to a place of self-curiosity. Thanks for joining. Let's dive right in. All right, we're live and welcome to The Unlearning Project. My name is Al Gugliata and I'm here with Virginia Elder, my co-host.
1: Yeah, hey there. Hey there. Good to see you. Good
0: to see you too. <laughs> What's the topic of our discussion today?
1: The trolley problem.
0: So the trolley problem, it's also called bystander at the switch. Mm
1: -hmm. So give us a little background on this. Is this something that you discovered? Is this a study? Like where?
0: So it is. I learned it when I was in college. I was a psychology major. It was one of the studies that they talked about. It's basically a study on ethics, okay? Okay. Real brief, I'll go through it. So you're walking near a trolley car track when you notice five people are lying on that track and they're tied down to the track, okay? Okay. The next instant, you see a trolley hurtling toward them. It's out of control. Basically, it's just flying. There's no way it could stop. It's going to run over these people. Five people are going to die. Now, there's a signal lever, which is within your reach. Mm -hmm. If you pull this lever, it's going to divert the track to another rail, saving the five people. But it's going to kill somebody else on the other track. Okay? Okay. But only one person. Okay. So, basically, you're saving five, but now... Pulling that switch, you're killing one. Right. Most people would say they would pull the lever because, you know, one person dying is better than five.
1: Yeah. Right? Okay, yeah. One versus five, okay.
0: Right, you're saving four net lives, right. okay? So a whole different scenario, same study. You're on the same footbridge. Five people are tied down, trolleys rushing toward them. There's no switch this time, okay? Okay. But now there's this fat man So there's a chubby guy and he's on top of the bridge. Okay. You can heave him over the side and he'll fall on the tracks. And with the bulk of his body, he's going to stop the trolley. Okay. So the fat man's going to die in the process, but you're going to save the five lives. Mm. So what do you do now? Mm. So do you push the guy over? Man. So what the study reveals is that on the first one, 90% of people ask that question, would flip the switch and then kill the one person as opposed to five. Hmm. It goes completely the opposite when they have to push somebody over. Mm. 90% would not push the fat man. They'd let the five people die because they don't want to physically push the guy onto the tracks to stop yeah. the killing of five people.
1: I can see that. Like It has to do with like the amount of action and involvement you have with the kill, You know, for lack of a better term. Because pulling a switch is one thing because you're like, well, I didn't tie that other guy. Yes. I didn't de- I wasn't physically involved with his death except pulling a switch, which that's easy.
0: Yes. But then when
1: it's literally like pushing someone like you're over. You're feeling
0: the human that you're like, mm. it's almost like hand-to-hand combat as opposed to dropping right. bombs, right? You don't see what you're dropping bombs on.
1: Yes, you're very removed.
0: It's the Yeah, so it's the removal, right? That's what's causing the... Yes. Yeah, the change in what you would do.
1: Okay, interesting.
0: So what I wanted to do with that study, so I thought about the study and I'm like, let me think hard on this and let me figure out how I can relate this to this COVID-19 pandemic.
1: Mm. And
0: so this is what I came up with. Okay. Okay, so the five people that are lying down on the track, okay, so five people that are the victims or that are potential victims... I'm associating them directly with the potential victims of COVID nineteen. So all the mm-hmm. people, basically, our society, we're all potential victims. We're we're all the five people lying down on the track, right? Right. Okay. And now the signal lever or the switch to divert the killing of those five people. Mm-hmm. That's the shutdown. That's our shelter in place. That's our mm-hmm. social distancing, masks. Like that's our preventative measure to not kill those five people.
1: Yeah, the lockdown order. Right. That's-
0: but we're also under. Everybody's well aware that. We're not preventing all death. Mm-hmm. All we're trying to do is mitigate the amounts.
1: Right. The amount and the speed at which people are dying.
0: Okay. So right? speed at which and amount. Yeah. No, I would say that. Yeah. And so then taking it one step further in the study. So throwing the fat man onto the tracks as opposed to flipping a switch mm-hmm. is the difference between what we see as herd immunity mm-hmm. and then just opening things up.
1: Mm, so interesting
0: yeah it's not a perfect metaphor it's not a perfect you know it definitely breaks down in some places but i thought it was close enough to have a good discussion on ethics about what's going on yeah and as we were talking before this you brought to my attention more of the definition of herd immunity which i would love for you to elaborate on (laughs) some more i'm sure the audience would love to know too
1: Right. Well, and I think we should preface this. This is just a discussion. We're not telling anybody to take some kind of action or do anything based on our opinions. And in the show notes, I can link to legit resources like the World Health Organization and things like that, just so people have like somewhere real that they can get actual facts on herd immunity in COVID and things like that. Yeah. I don't want anybody to go crazy on this.
0: <laughs> and another yeah, another caveat is that we're arguing both sides of the story. We haven't come to some really definitive judgment call on one one way is the right way or the other. We're only gonna know a few years from now when everything's being, you know, looked in retrospect and analyzed and like, oh, that's where we went wrong.
1: Yes. I think
0: everybody's trying to make the best decisions with the information they have. Yes. But I also do think that the media is the mainstream is going down one path Mm -hmm. and not really looking at the other. So I wanted to kind of concentrate a little bit more on the alternative to what we're doing. Yeah. And just the what if, like what if we did something different and what are we not looking at?
1: Right. Well, I have to thank you for Uh, making me do a bunch of research on herd immunity (laughs) because I did learn a lot.
0: (laughs) Good. And of course, what I'm
1: going to share is not like the perfect definition. I'm not some immunologist or anything but basically what i'm learning is herd immunity is where a certain percentage which is typically pretty high like 80 90 95% of the population has either been vaccinated or has had whatever the disease is so that they are now immune and then that protects the other 20 to you know even down to 5% from getting it typically because there's less people that can introduce the disease into the community. Okay. The concept has lots of holes in it because it largely depends upon the behavior of the community and how much contact they typically have. Mm-hmm. So a percentage that just throw a number out there, I'm, I'm totally making this up, but what if we reached herd immunity based on social distancing right now. So what if we could say, okay, well, if 60% of the population gets it based on the behavior that we have now and we're still social distancing and wearing masks and whatever, okay, now we've reached herd immunity. Well, the second you say that, people are like, oh, sweet. And so they go out and they start meeting up with friends more often and the behavior of the community changes, which also impacts The herd immunity percentage, and suddenly you're not there anymore. Suddenly the numbers are going to increase. You're going to have more hospitalizations and things like that. But what I was seeing, what was so interesting and kind of a little scary, was for polio, for example, the threshold is 80%. And then for measles, it's 95%.
0: That's the amount of people, the amount, the percentage of the population needs to either have immunity to it yes. or a vaccine yes. that they're protecting the rest of the population. Right.
1: So okay. with measles. Well, that's a
0: majority, that's giant a giant majority.
1: Majority. It's a really, really high number. So like with measles, okay. if 95% of people, like you said, have had the vaccination or have had it, which you know, it's a pretty dangerous disease, then the other 5%, which is typically very elderly babies, pregnant ladies, people who cannot receive or even immunocompromised people, people that cannot receive okay. the virus. That's why we do that. Okay. So what they're saying, though, basically, is if we tried to do a herd immunity situation, at least in just in the U.S., to get to that percentage where we could say, oh, okay, we've reached herd immunity now, we would have to lose one to two million people to the virus. So one to two million deaths.
0: Deaths, okay.
1: Yeah, which that I think is what we're trying to avoid right now. Okay, so- And that makes it scary. So
0: explain to me, like, take a step back for me because maybe I'm just not listening to this or interpreting it the correct way. So to get to 80 to 90%, wouldn't the fastest way to get there, wouldn't it be to just open everything up and let everybody just intermingle? No masks, no nothing. Let everybody get, whoever's going to die is going to die. I mean, because I think also from what you're saying, too, is if we're doing it the way we're doing it,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: people are still contracting this. Right. And those percentages are going up and maybe we're slowing the process to get Mm -hmm. to that herd immunity. Mm -hmm. And so is that the point of doing the social distancing is just to slow it down? But eventually, we're going to have the same outcome. 80% of the population will have this virus eventually. Mm. We're just going to spread it out over now three years as opposed to everybody getting it within three months.
1: Right. See, and I don't fully know. Yeah. Like, And I don't think anybody knows because there's so many variables. What if – and the strain, they're showing already that the strain is already mutating. Right. So, and people are already receiving it.
0: Multiple times you mentioned they're getting yeah. it, not just once. It's not like you got it once, you got the immunity or you got the antibodies. Right. You're saying people have contracted it more than once.
1: Yes. All right. Yes. And so that's really scary. So that makes you question, okay, how many different strains are there? If you do get the virus, you get sick, you get better then you're immune. Okay, cool. How strong is your immunity and how long does that last? And mm-hmm. all of these things are unknowns. Right. And so that's just, right. the, there's a lot of fear around it, which is also why they did the lockdown. But I'm also looking at it like, yes, the lockdown is almost like a delay tactic, Yeah. but it's allowing for testing supplies, medical supplies, ventilators, you know, all those different things. Okay. Months now. Right. Yes. So all the hospitals are much more likely to have equipment now than they did in March.
0: And that's a whole different reason. I mean, that, I, you know, I've always mixed up the two reasons. So, one, I keep hearing on one end,
1: mm-hmm. we want
0: to slow it down so that the hospitals and that, you know, the healthcare system doesn't get overwhelmed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That makes sense. I, I get it. I mean, there's not enough beds, there's not enough nurses, doctors, there's not enough help mm-hmm. and supplies and everything. And, If this thing spikes like crazy, you're going to have thousands of people going to hospitals and overwhelming. Right. I get that. And I think
1: more would die in that situation because they just literally would not receive the care and the supplies that they need to be saved.
0: Okay. Yes. So that's, all right. So that's one scenario. Mm -hmm. We let everybody just take their masks off. Let's go back to normal. Whoever dies, dies. If it's a million or 2 million people, so be it.
1: You're so evil. (laughs) <laughs> I know. I mean,
0: it sounds terrible. I get it. But let's just say that's one side of the argument. Right. We don't want that to happen. Right. But for some reason, we're okay. You know, we're also the same society that our motto is one life is too many, mm-hmm. one death is too many.
1: Right. We've heard that thrown around a lot. But we're already past that point. Like,
0: Oh my, yeah. I mean, that's...
1: 200 plus thousand people have already died. Well, I think it's just a
0: ridiculous thing politicians need to say. You know, oh, one life is too many. All right, thank you. Thank you for saying that. It's ridiculous. Nobody wants to hear that shit. Mm
1: -hmm. It's completely
0: inaccurate too. Because we're okay with a certain amount of death in other situations. Right. You know, it's just in this situation, all of a sudden, now one death is too many. So the flip side of this whole thing. So if we don't do herd immunity, which we're not doing, obviously, Mm -hmm. well, some people are. (laughs) (laughs) Some people are taking it to their own devices, right? To do nothing, wear no mask.
1: Refuse to wear a mask.
0: Yeah. So there's a subset of people. I don't know the percentage, but there's plenty. And I see them maybe not every day, but when I go anywhere outside of Charlotte, walk into a gas station, nobody's wearing a mask. I read a report from Delta Airlines.
1: Oh my God. Delta
0: Airlines announced that they had 500 people that they've banned for life, that they could never fly in Delta Airlines again because they refused to wear a mask on the airplane.
1: Right.
0: When you have a subset of people, and I'm guessing this is a good, it's a minority, yes, but I'm, it's a decent enough percentage where mm-hmm. it's not, it, they're totally messing up the idea of you know stopping this virus from spreading. Right. Because let's just say you had you know a small percentage. Say it's 1% of the population.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You have millions of people now that are doing whatever the heck they want to do. They're running around without a mask. They're doing whatever they want. They touch touching everything. They're not washing their hands, not social distancing. Mm-hmm. What's to prevent those people from spreading it to the rest? Is it all of us staying away from them? How do we know who right. these people are? It just doesn't stop. And I think that's why we've gone now seven, eight months into this.
1: Yeah. Because there's certain people that no matter what the media says or the president says or lockdown orders or whatever, they're just like, no, F you. I'm doing what I want. Yeah. I'm not wearing a mask. I'm not putting my kid in a mask. It's my job to raise my kid how I want to. And so with that mentality,
0: like now we have the biggest (laughs) spike we've ever had, right? Eight months into this. Yes. What was the point of all of the lockdown? And then, so then this goes into like the whole idea. I'm trying to argue both sides of this. I don't have one, a one-sided view on this. If you did have the herd mentality from the beginning where you're like, you know what? Fuck it. Everybody's left to their own devices. Mm -hmm. If you're scared, stay home, wear a mask, wear a hazmat suit, do whatever the heck you want. But life is going to go on. Society's going to stay open, right? Right. We're making you aware that this virus is out there. This is how it's we think it's spread. Mm-hmm. You get to decide what you're gonna do. But we're not gonna start closing down the economy and closing down businesses. That's not our place to do that.
1: Right.
0: We're not a totalitarian government, we're not a dictatorship. Right. We have all this this freedom, and all this freedom was all so great mm-hmm. until something like this happens. Right. And guess what? You know, it's not so bad to have like a communist society or a dictatorship when something like this happens, because now you just basically throw people in jail if they don't abide by what you're saying, which is going to save lives. Right. So you we're, we're like on these two sides of the spectrum. Like we're trying to like, oh, we want to protect your freedoms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, please do this if you can. <laughs> and all right, maybe we'll give you a little fine if we catch you not doing it. And people are like, I'll do whatever the hell I want. Right. And so then the thing just keeps spreading. And then the after effect is nine months into it, mm-hmm. we've been in this pandemic this long. We've been in a lockdown people are suffering and the collateral damage to all this is basically it's
1: undetermined. It's immeasurable at this
0: point. It's immeasurable. And so, but I mean, a list of the things that we can talk about are like mental illness, mental anguish, domestic and substance abuse, everything yeah. increasing, mass unemployment, social isolation,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: all of these things, they're not clearly visible and they're mm-hmm. very difficult to quantify. So we kind of disregard it. Like, well, It's not quantifiable. It's not really that obvious.
1: Yeah. And I think it will be, like you said, like three years from now when we're looking (laughs) back and like, oh, wow, we really messed up that whole deal. But, you know, then we'll be able to look at some of this stuff. But yeah, just think, you know, if you have dementia or bipolar or you have some mental disability, you need therapy, medication, Mm -hmm. access to whatever, but suddenly that stuff isn't open, it's Zoom only, or whatever is going on, there's all these barriers put in place. Your ability to deal with the problems that you already have are so much thinner. Yes. Access to that help is still so important. And then think of like an abusive relationship or something, and now suddenly you're stuck at home with that person. Holy Mm -hmm. shit.
0: And the kids involved, right? Yes.
1: Because before it was like you could send the kids away. Maybe you're like, okay, I can deal with this to a certain extent. You know, we're going to therapy or something, whatever the situation is. But then now for the past several months, you're stuck.
0: Yeah. I think we should do herd immunity on all the the spouse abusers, you know, just put them all in a, <laughs> throw them all in one state and let them like all yes. intermingle.
1: Yes. Okay. So, okay. This is really dark, but as you were reading the trolley car scenario study thing, yeah, that's, that's actually what I thought. I said, okay, but wait, in my head, I was like, who are the five? Are they like, Murders or like child abusers or ah um, uh, right really are the good
0: like, people bad people <laughs> right it's okay if they're bad right. people like who
1: are they you know are they pedophiles run them over right
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> right they don't they don't put that into the equation that's a variable like
1: I need <laughs> to know who these people are when I'm pulling this switch <laughs> yes <laughs> yes but anyways I mean either way there are unquantifiable results that we're facing right now. okay, yes, there's the long-term effects that we don't know of yet that some people mm-hmm. are still dealing with that are starting to come to the surface. they're starting to call that long covid. it's like this new term that they're
0: oh like having like lung issues and like respiratory yes. issues that are long term right like long-term detrimental health effects from the virus it's not just people dying, it's people having, long-term health issues from this. Yes. Maybe potentially like forever, right?
1: Right. And they don't know. They don't know. Mm-hmm.
0: So we did all the abuse and the mental illness and the you know all that kind of stuff. But think about the the reduction in like cancer screenings, the reduction in people getting their heart monitor, diabetes and mm-hmm. everything. Everything was reduced mm-hmm. because we had all our efforts going toward the virus. How many yeah. people are dying from those that they didn't find out that they had stage four cancer when, you know, they could have. When they needed to. When they needed to. Yeah. And we can't put numbers on any of this stuff. Like you said, it's going to be years from now where we look back. Mm -hmm. But when you think about that, when we first started the conversation, the one to two million person number of deaths that would need to happen for herd immunity to kind of kick in. What if we look back and we're like, you know what? But three million people died from all of the other effects from, the lack of cancer screenings, mm-hmm. the abuse, the mental illness, suicide. I mean, I'm only listing a handful of these things. There's probably so many different mm-hmm. strands that branch out in different directions. And like you said, the, the long-term effects right. of like an abusive relationship, but now the abuser is not going to work. The abuser's at home all day. Now he's mm-hmm. abusing the kids. And now the kids are all fucked up. Mm-hmm. And now that's a generation of kids mm-hmm. that are all fucked up, that are maybe bringing abuse to somebody mm-hmm. else.
1: I mean, this... Right. It just goes on and on and on. But since it's like you can't rib. quantify
0: it, you're like, well, we don't understand that. We don't know what that is. We're just gonna focus on this. I'm just trying to say, like,
1: yeah, even if you can't
0: quantify it, you know it's there, obviously.
1: Right. And
0: I'm sure there was ways of getting or your head wrapped around an idea of the amount or the an idea of where this is going. I'm sure mm-hmm. you know, there's statistical studies that you can do, there's ways of somewhat quantifying or getting an idea of the direction of what these numbers are yeah, and then comparing that.
1: And I think some of that is out there. It's starting to surface. I didn't mm-hmm. specifically dive down any one rabbit hole because you would have to be pulling data on each of those specific issues or typically not going to do a study that's like everything An overall. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's one thing. Yeah. It's one of, you know, a hundred things that you'd have to really dial down into. And
1: yes, well, and then the the stuff that's easier to think about is, okay. Think about all of the medical and financial bills that people are going to have if you were sick or, and you were hospitalized. Like I don't know how that stuff is working Mm -hmm. out
0: or suicide and overdoses. I mean, those are two you can quantify, Right. Right. Yeah, You know, you could start, there's different things that you, yeah, start with the things that you can quantify, right? right? And then there's going to be things that are kind of mm-hmm. vague and that you're not going to know until years down the road. I get it. Mm-hmm. But you could probably still see trajectories, right? You could sort of get a sense of like maybe where things are going.
1: And I think some of this is like the, you're almost never going to know kind of thing because how do you know, Yeah, you know, you have a split second to, to decide when that light turns red are you going to slam on your brakes or are you just going to like go through and think, okay, well, I, I think I'm like still within the safety zone of the way that the lights are timed, you know, I'm not going to make it. You don't know. You yeah, don't know too many because some other yeah. Joe going to, mm-hmm. you know, turn early or step on the gas really hard as you're going through because his light turned green, but you're just trying to skate by. Like you just aren't going to know. Right, And when you make a decision in one way, yeah, had, you don't know, and you're never going to know what the other way could have been.
0: Hmm. Very true. I guess the reason I like talking about this is because mm-hmm. most of what I hear is all about the virus. It's never about, again, the collateral damage. Yes. It's about what this virus is doing. Forget about everything else. Mm-hmm. What is this doing? And I'm kind of like, wait a second, pump the brakes. There's other things going on here that's affecting, I mean, it's affecting me. And I was kind of talking Mm -hmm. to you about this, you know, we're somewhat (laughs) well-adjusted people, I would like to think. And it's affected us pretty harshly. Like any, everybody, everybody I talk to is like, this is tough. It's like, you know, we're all kind of, some people have thrived in it. Yeah, I get it. I mean, some people liked the downtime and they got closer with their families. Right. But a lot of people like are kind of not just lonely, but just sort of, I don't know, just disoriented, you know, just sort of like, I don't know Mm -hmm. what to do with myself. I was so reliant on social interaction. Right. And now that's kind of taken away. And like, where is this? And now it just becomes this long malaise of like, we've been doing this for eight months. Now Mm -hmm. the numbers are higher than they've ever been. So Mm -hmm. what good were the last eight months? Right. Oh, well, if we didn't do the last eight months, it'd be 10 times worse. Really? Right. Maybe they would. Are you sure about that? Is that, is that a proven fact?
1: Yeah. Red light, green light. You don't know.
0: I don't know. And and so, but I guess it just seems like so many people have that hard line of, no, I know. Mm -hmm. That's the way it would have been if we didn't take this stance. Yeah. And I just want to question that. I want to be open to dialogue with the idea that what's the alternative? What if we took it a different way? Yeah. I mean, just because we've done it this way up until this point, is it working? I don't know. It doesn't seem to be working.
1: Yeah.
0: What constitutes working? It could be worse.
1: They know that lockdowns affect, it disproportionately affects the disadvantaged. So if you live in poverty, if you're an immigrant, if you are largely uneducated, if you're an hourly laborer, you know, there's all these different categories of people and the list goes on. That's just a few. You are more harshly affected by this because you are so dependent upon that hourly job where you're in the service industry and you are needing to interact with people to be able to do your job to get your hourly wage and so essentially what society has decided is that oh we can sacrifice that which basically ends up that like me and you who can work from home who are working from home Mm -hmm. we're skating along okay you know Some things have changed, but we're doing okay. We're not losing our income. We're not- We're
0: insulated. Facing
1: foreclosure. So-
0: It's one less giant stressor that we don't have to deal with, that other people, their livelihood is at stake. Yes. Along with their health.
1: Yes. And so apparently Mm -hmm. that's okay, but- And and I guess- Yeah, it's it's just a hard- And I
0: want to hear like the, I want more of the opinions of the people that are going through- those kinds of hardships, what is their take on this? Mm -hmm. Are they, are they preaching? Mm -hmm. We got to keep things locked down. You know what? I haven't made money in six months, but we got to keep things locked down. Mm -hmm. It always comes from people that are employed and that have been employed this whole time. Right. I very much wonder how many people that are unemployed that are in the restaurant industry, the entertainment industry. I mean, the more you dig down into it, it affects so many different industries. I mean, I think of every bartender, every, You know, restaurant owner, waiter, but then the Mm -hmm. entertainment industry. So basically musicians, theater, all of that stuff where you can't have gatherings.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. We have lots of friends in the theater industry and it's like, they don't think it's ever coming back. They're moving on at this point. Right.
0: It might be just kind of, you know, tainted forever at this point. Mm -hmm. So... Ask those people. I don't want to hear from the people that are, you know, the intellectuals that kept their jobs this whole time. They're like, "Oh, well, we should do this because this is the right thing to do." Yeah, let me take your salary away from you, and now you don't have a job. Yeah, let's see how you feel like two months, three months into it, where you're struggling and you're like, you know, scared out of your mind that you can't feed your family. Right? How big of a deal is the freaking virus to you then? You know, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: something to think about, right? It's not. I'm not saying it's one way or the other. I'm not saying that. It just seems like the mainstream, and in my opinion, like kind of the the liberal slant on it is like, oh, one life's too many. We got to protect everybody. We got to do this quarantine for as long as it takes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, fuck you, because like there's people that are freaking suffering out there, and just because you kept your job and everything's hunky dory for you, Mm -hmm. again, it's it's the idea of you're not looking at the other side of things. You're not, and this is the kicker for me. Is what The people that <laughs> take this view, they have this view of like, I'm doing this out of compassion. Ah. This lockdown is a compassionate move on my part. No, it's, it's not about me. It's not about protecting me. It's about protecting everybody else. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not protecting everybody else. People are like really fucked out there. Mm-hmm. And this is what like really bothers me about this whole thing is that it, it's, it's literally just not talked about. Mm-hmm. It's talked about on the fringe, right. but it's laser focused on this lockdown and... We need to do this. And no matter, and it's like a no matter what kind of thing. Why is it no matter what?
1: So the thing that's coming to my mind while you're talking right now is that. Ranting. What? No. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you said it on me. (laughs) I did. But is if we had not gone into social distance mode, lockdown, stay home orders, and businesses kept running, which Portions or communities would be so much greater affected by the virus, anyways. I want to say that it's likely to be high density service industry, like the same people that are being negatively affected right now by the lockdown. Right. They are the same people who have a high interaction rate with people who would be out and about in crowds. In people's faces, you know, serving food or whatever it is, I feel like those same people would be the ones suffering the most from actual sickness. Like right now, the level of suffering is job loss, potential foreclosures, financial issues, being home, different abuse situations, potentially, alcoholism, that kind of thing because of like depression, essentially, versus actually getting sick. I don't know which way is better. Well, but the ar- I mean,
0: the, the, How do but you decide? The,
1: how do you decide which one of those is better?
0: I agree, but I think the argument to that would be that those people are then going to their jobs, getting it and spreading it to the rest of the population that aren't involved in that industry, right? Mm. I mean, it's like they're taking it home, they're doing whatever, then they're yeah. mingling with their friends and it's just slowly spreading.
1: There again, that would disproportionately affect that Disadvantaged it would. group. Well, I agree. So yeah,
0: and then I, again, you leave people. You give them the information, and you say, "Listen, mm-hmm. this is the risk. If you're willing to state your job, this is the you know potential risk you have."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And for the people that are outside of that industry, you tell them, "Well, don't go into those. In- you're not going to go to theaters anymore. You're not going to go to movie theaters. You're not going to go to restaurants. You're not going to do any of that stuff if you're scared. Mm-hmm. If you want to, go right ahead."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But it's like a fine line because this is such a, like a mysterious kind of thing. It's a virus. We don't see it. Right. And like we, I made a comment <laughs> before we started recording about it. it's kind of like having AIDS and then being a rapist.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I have HIV and I run around raping people. Right. You know, that's like the guy running around without the mask. Right. It's just she can't see it. And it's not like a violence in your face, you know, sexual, you know. It, yeah. But it's yeah. the same sort of thing. Yeah, you're I mean, still
1: unwillingly being infected.
0: <laughs> spreading the to same other, thing. right. Giving something a killer virus, yeah, right? Potentially, yeah. Potentially could be killing other people.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: And this is why, right? I mean, you can go in a loop with this where you just, yeah. you're just you just arguing both sides of the story. You don't know, you'll know three, you know, whatever it is down the road, you know, all of the scientists will look back, the research scientists will look back and mm-hmm. say, oh, that's what we should have done.
1: Yes, well, so I think the one thing that this whole situation has done is it's normalized wearing a mask, being safe, washing your hands, general good hygiene has increased, I think. And then if you go to the store, like, so, okay, think about like a year ago, if you went to the bank, you're wearing a mask, you're a robber. <laughs> Nobody else wears a mask. I feel like a robber you're every time I put
0: that damn thing on before I go into a store, I'm like, all right, ready? Ready? go you know like yeah
1: <laughs> because it was so abnormal to be wearing a face covering like who are you what are you hiding what kind of creep are you yeah unless you're and in like now, the medical
0: industry right yeah
1: right or like for me if I was to send my kids to school wearing a mask it would be like oh those guys are weird like don't <laughs> don't play with them don't you know, don't be their friend phobes, so yeah
0: psycho germphobes right.
1: yeah right so now at least it's quote unquote normal to be watching out and wearing a mask and washing your hands. And you know, think about like the dermaphobes that you've seen here in the grocery store. And you're like doing their hand sanitizer. That would have been completely bizarre to yeah. see that a year ago. And now you're like, oh Cool. Like you're still a normal person. You're still acceptable. Well, like you said, so you'd see it's it. And it's, that.
0: Like you'd see it and you would just think, like, oh God, here we go. You know?
1: Yeah, some O C D fool is over here.
0: <laughs> yeah. It has normalized that.
1: You know, any of us that wear a mask often, or if you don't want to wear a mask and you're, you know, outside or whatever, neither one is considered like weird. Yeah. Hmm. But Along those same lines, what I was thinking about is if we stayed open and we're like, no, all industries are open, we're not making people lose their jobs, we're not going to shut down the economy and all this, then people who are employed are faced with the decision or the feelings that they are obligated to still go to work. Mm. Whereas shutting it down made it very normal that Hey, like we're watching out for everybody. Wear your mask. Stay home. Yeah. Do whatever. You, Offices are closed.
0: All you white collar people can stay home. <laughs> right? <laughs> true,
1: right. True. Right. All you
0: hands on service people have to go in. Like things still need to be built and painted and cleaned and you know things need to be done. So this is what I was thinking. We're sitting on the fence of this issue. I think there's two ways to do this and we're not doing either one. We're just sitting in the middle. Right. So like one way would be, it needs to be like a martial law style lockdown where if you don't do exactly what we're telling you to prevent Mm -hmm. this disease, you're going to get arrested. You're going to get thrown in jail. There's
1: massive fines. There's police patrolling the neighborhoods.
0: And if it's not to that extent and you're just leaving people like, well, you know, we really want you to do this and we want you to follow the protocol and we'll give you a $50 ticket, you know, if you're in New York City without... Like nobody gives a fuck about that. That's not deterring anything.
1: No, they don't care.
0: And then, and you're asking them. You're thinking all people have the same concern that you do. They don't. A no. lot of people couldn't care less. No,
1: you and I have both shared about people that we have met, or that we know, or that we've interacted with that are just like they don't give a crap.
0: Right. And I think you know, you think China has what the largest population in the world? They're like one point five billion people, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And like, why aren't they getting this super giant spike in numbers? Like, you know, because they're freaking a communist society and their government said, this is what you have to do. Right. And people listen to that. And you are
1: not allowed to leave your home. Yeah.
0: And this this is almost like the negative effects of having the freedoms we have because now we're all cavalier. Right. You know, now we're all like, oh, well, I'll just, well, maybe I'll do it. But you know what? If I I get bored, I'm going to do whatever the heck I want. And then so the opposite is the herd immunity, right? So if you do martial law, everybody has to do it or you get thrown in jail mm-hmm. or leave the whole goddamn thing open. And if you don't do either one, which is what we're doing, we're in the middle. We're like, well, we really want you to do this we so wear a mask in social distance and we're going to put little stickers everywhere. Right. It's going to be like, you know, Candyland <laughs> and we're all going to run around the store nobody's going to give a fuck and there's going to be arrows pointing in different directions which nobody, nobody can Nobody follows
1: anyways.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're just passing people Then you sit on a plane and you got people next to you on both sides and oh, well, keep your mask on, but you got to take your mask off when you eat or drink and that's
1: okay. Right. How is that
0: okay? Isn't like when you're eating or drinking when more saliva is coming out of your mouth? Right. Right. (laughs) I mean, I'm just, again, I'm not a doctor.
1: That's been our thing. We still have not gone to and sat in a restaurant and I fully understand like people think we're very weird about this right now. (laughs) that's fine with me.
0: Have you sat outside like on an out patio?
1: We have, but it just so happened that like no one else was there. We were out at like a weird time oh, okay. and there was like one couple in the restaurant and we were out on the patio and towards the end of our meal, another couple came and sat out on the patio nearby, but still far away from us. That's our thought is like, I sincerely miss the dining experience sincerely. Okay. Mm-hmm. Trust me. But I'm also like, wait a minute. Why would we go inside a closed building, which I have no idea anything about their ventilation. So you've got the kitchen staff, all the servers, anybody else in the restaurant, plus you, and you're going to take off your mask and mm-hmm. eat and interact like, you know, like it's 2019 or something.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I, I just, I can't get past that. I'm like, no. Completely
0: inconsistent. Yeah. I'm right? like, I'm
1: sorry. We're still ordering in. I don't know what to do here. I don't know if I'm making the right choice or just being weird, but the inconsistency, like what you're saying, is not something I'm willing to buy into. We're wearing masks and we're staying away from people and we're ordering in food. And that's what we're going to do until some other news comes out. I don't know. That That's my take on it. And other people are handling it so differently and that's okay.
0: I think it's the freedom thing. I think people think that, you know, they have all this freedom and we're mm-hmm. in the country that's, you know, we have the most freedoms and this yes. is where it goes south with the freedom.
1: I, I do what I want.
0: I, yeah. I saw a post <laughs> yesterday said something along the lines of like, if you, if you believe in mandatory vaccinations for the COVID or, you know, if you believe in it or you're going to, or, you know, you demand this okay. unfriend me and I never want to talk to you again. And it was like this hard. So I'm like,
1: he's drawing the line.
0: Yeah. He's totally like, like nope you're not going to make me get a vaccine. I'll do whatever the hell I want. Uh Again, it's like, we always thought that like freedom was the greatest thing. All of our personal freedoms. Oh, you know, Facebook's taking away our personal freedoms. They're looking at our stuff and on and on and on about freedom, freedom, freedom. And then you get to a place where we're at now and the countries that have fared the best are the countries that don't have the freedoms we have.
1: So it makes you question, where's the value?
0: Yeah. Or makes you question like, how about, you know, we have like sort of a vote on, all right, well, what happens when there's an epidemic, you know, or like a pandemic? Right. Can we like adjust these liberty, (laughs) these like freedom rules just for like a small time period? Right.
1: Like if there's a pandemic going on, like you don't get to do what you want. Right. I
0: mean, but it's the same idea. (laughs) If there was like a firing squad, if like enemy troops started invading the United States... We would want the government to protect us. Yes. And if the government then told us that, listen, stay in your home because right. you're going to get shot outside, we would do it. Right. But for whatever reason, we they can't say that when it comes to this. Mm-hmm. What's the difference? Well, and I think
1: right? it goes back to that thing you said earlier about it's because it's this invisible, currently unquantifiable thing.
0: It's the switch, not the fat man,
1: Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Poor yeah. fat dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, seeing someone like shot in the street and being like, oh shit, I'm going to stay in my house and keep my kids inside is very different, Yeah. you know, physical and emotional reaction there yeah. than being like, oh, like if you go to the grocery store, you might, yeah, you know, somebody might breathe on you. <laughs> it basically is the same thing. Mm-hmm but it just doesn't feel like
0: it. But isn't that funny how like this kind of relates to a lot of what we've talked about as far as if you know a friend that had their dog die Mm -hmm. and you're like, Oh, I feel bad for them. I'm sorry. But they're like, I mean, the devastation that they're going through in that moment is so deep and sharp and like piercing, Mm -hmm. but you have no clue. And and you can't have a clue until it happens to you so same idea. It's like if your mom or your sibling or somebody, you right. watch them die of COVID, now you, I, all those freedoms that you think you should have had, maybe they'll start to go away. Yeah, right? and like you're like you start, willing
1: to let them go because you're like, no, fuck that. Like, this is serious.
0: I saw it. Right. But until it affects you, you're like, whatever. Right. Eh, it's not, it might not even be real.
1: <laughs>
0: right. This is, this is, you know, this whole thing's a conspiracy. <laughs> you know, it's Trump's conspiracy to blah, 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 blah. <laughs> like. You know, everybody's got some crazy whack a like, you That's know. what
1: I find interesting, is I feel like the conspiracy theories have increased oh. over the past, like, year. I don't think it was this bad.
0: I mean, it, it's it's basically Salem Witch Trials. Yeah, because they have that... You ever hear that QAnon? uh uh-uh. uh It's a whole other rabbit hole. But anyway, it's the idea that there's... I, I'm going to do it no justice. But it's like that they think there's, like, this pedophile ring and, like, this human trafficking thing going where... The, I don't know certain people are drinking other people's blood it's literally like to the extent of like Salem witch trials oh my God. That, there's a group and people believe this oh my God it's, yeah it's it's people are getting crazy people are getting off their rocker crazy at this point mm. in no small part from being isolated for a long time and in their own heads
1: yeah I think you know. that's a big part of it and when you're stuck home all day, what else do you do besides scroll, like random news, social media, which, you know, is being shown that just so much false stuff is being shared. And yeah, you just dive down these rabbit holes and convince yourself of like stupid, crazy stuff. Yes. Yeah. It's really unfortunate. One of the
0: questions I had with this whole thing that I'm wrestling with too, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: is I have friends that come to me and just what I hear in the media is that you wear a mask for other people. It's out of compassion for others. That's why you're doing all of this. Mm-hmm. And then part of me thinks, well, maybe it's also some sort of lack of courage, you know, where like now you're in such a fear state. Mm-hmm. Like the outside is dangerous. I'm fearful. Mask, stay away. Like just very like isolate, put me in a bubble.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm kind of struggling with the two because I'm someone that I do all this. I So I do the mask. I you know, I do everything. But honestly, if they told me tomorrow, like masks aren't mandatory, I wouldn't wear one. Mm. And I didn't wear one until they were mandatory.
1: Mm.
0: Maybe I shouldn't be saying this. <laughs> Going public with Call it.
1: yourself out, Al. <laughs> yeah, call myself.
0: Yeah, I go to a grocery store like every other day. Right. I, I've been on four round trip air flights from April until now. Mm. I think I should be more scared of it. But for whatever reason, I'm just not. And I feel like I'm you know, a self-reflective person. I feel like um introspective. I feel like I try to understand both sides of it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's because I've been around like death, you know, for a long time, like both my parents passing away and like, you know, best friend passing away. And like, you I, know, I guess I'm almost desensitized to the idea that
1: everybody dies, everybody dies.
0: And like, we're every, and this whole thing is just the ultimate, you know, fear of our own mortality right
1: Right.
0: it's it's you're brought face to face with it they're saying this thing can kill you Mm -hmm. it's invisible you don't know where it is and it's like fear 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 well
1: and i think that's a big piece of it is each person's individual perception of death you seem like a person who's very open to it and who's like everybody dies and i've seen it before and if i die it'll be fine. Like everybody keeps going and the world keeps turning and I'm not worried about it. And then there are other people that are very fearful.
0: Yeah. So I don't want to be so nonchalant about it. I mean, I do feel that way. I don't want to come right out and say that where I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> like if I got it, I'd be upset. <laughs> I, You know, I'd struggle like anybody else Like that had to contemplate death, but I think I've been so close to it. I've seen it so close to home. Mm-hmm. I think you get a different perspective where you're like. I can go out. I can walk across the street and get hit by a bus. Yes. Right. I do want to take certain precautions. I'm not going to just throw caution to the wind and do absolutely nothing. Right. But I also value my mental health and my life just as much as I value staying alive. Right. I'm not going to stop living my life. I'll do all the things that make everybody else comfortable, play by the rules that everybody else plays by. Right. I'm not the guy running into the the gray clips you know, without a mask and saying, I want a haircut. They're like, get the fuck out of here. And he's like, screw you, give me a haircut. You know, like, yeah, yeah. I've started to learn that there's this giant spectrum, you know, from the most fearful person that won't leave the house, that's in a bubble, that's basically hazmat suit, gloves, everything, to like the idiot that's just running around, you know, going to bars. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a whole spectrum of it. I guess I fall somewhere leaning, you know, maybe in the middle, leaning towards, I'm going to do more things, but be in my own way, careful about it. Mm-hmm. But everybody else has different levels of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and the big, I don't want to say argument, but like conclusion maybe that I was reading about was there's so many different levels of COVID-19. You know, there's the asymptomatic, there's the you know, moderately affected,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: then the severe cases that where you could die, but you might make it you know but you might also have some really bad long-term complications so you've got the variability of the strain yeah how strongly it affects you they don't know how long you would stay immune if once you have it, and you got the antibodies and you're over it but you have the antibodies in your system how strong are they how long do they last mm-hmm. and then they're saying that you know okay so maybe you want to go the route of herd immunity they're saying that you'd basically be speeding up the lives lost without necessarily speeding up the quality of lives of the rest of us
0: Mm, so like if they open
1: up everything there's still a certain level of a quality of life that we're not going to get back
0: oh i see what you're saying
1: because we're still dealing with this sickness as a society. Right.
0: So speeding it up is not the solution. Yeah. Yeah. It just feels like if you don't do it faster, it's just like, at this point, again, this is just me. Mm -hmm. This is what I'm feeling now. It just feels that it's a long drawn out process that doesn't seem to be getting much better. And maybe it's just a stalling process to get this vaccine, which... Just recently, Pfizer came out with one that's 90% effective, right. supposedly.
1: Supposedly, yeah. I'm excited to see where this goes.
0: <laughs> yeah, me too. So yeah, I guess those are the two sides of the argument. It's a slowing down process. I could get on board with that. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we're going to have the vaccine and we're not going to overwhelm the hospitals and we're going to just stall and just try to give science enough time to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Okay, I could get behind that.
1: The truth of the whole thing is, if you just set back and just look at it, The normal that we all knew before, that's never going to be our normal again. No. No matter what, life has changed. Even if three to five years from now, everything's open, we've all been vaccinated, it it doesn't matter. There are fundamental things that have changed in the way that we feel and act and research and watch the news and how we feel about politics. Like All of these things have drastically changed been affected this year yeah and no matter what we are experiencing a new normal like our old normal the life that you remember is never going to be like that again
0: i I just never i know we use this word a lot i just never remember things being so polarized Mm, me neither but i maybe they have been i didn't notice but it seems like Mm -hmm. on everything on politics on this virus Like everybody's so hell bent on their way of thinking, Yeah, you know, like this is what it is. This is the truth. No, no, no. This is the truth. You both don't
1: know. And they'll argue to the death. I mean, like you see some of the Twitter feeds and Facebook stuff and you know, the comments are just going crazy and it doesn't matter if you prove so-and-so wrong or not, or pull up research, like they will still like hammer home that point, even if it's proved to be false yeah. It's so polarized. I think that's...
0: I mean, for as much as I didn't like Trump, well, just hearing the speech from Biden, mm-hmm. I had like this sigh of relief. I really did. Just, I felt like
1: mm-hmm.
0: it was the weirdest thing, just hearing somebody that just talk about, talk like a normal person that was like, yeah, we want to just make things better and we're going to go by science. Yeah. And we're going to... the Words that like would never come out of Trump's mouth. I'm like... I can't believe the the <laughs> polar opposite. We had one guy doing this. The, it made no sense. I was like, this person is a child. Mm-hmm. And this person like literally is just speaking like a rational adult.
1: Mm-hmm. Being mature.
0: I guess I never saw them speak separately. Like, obviously those debates were ridiculous. I didn't want to,
1: they gave you such a headache just watching them.
0: But hearing them both talk separately and then putting that side by side, I was like, whoa, mm-hmm. okay. All right. Yeah. Maybe we're on a better path now. Maybe, uh, right? Yeah, you know, at least it's from somebody that has like some sort of values. And
1: Well, and that's exactly what came to my mind was it's often that we see that someone who has experienced some very tough, painful situations seem to be the most compassionate and empathetic to the rest of us, even if our tough situation is different than his that he's been through. But, you know, he's had pain in his life. He's had losses. Severe. I just think that sometimes life experience like that yes. really shines through and does make you a better person.
0: Yeah, if you never dealt with hardship or you never dealt with Mm-mm. life and death kind of situations and mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Or you're a narcissist and you just don't care. God,
0: oh my God. <laughs> this isn't going to end. This isn't going to end pretty. <laughs> he's not He's not going out without a fight. They're going to have to drag him out of the White House.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the, the best meme to me that I read recently was basically just like a quote that says live your life in a way so that people don't dance in the streets when you lose your job (laughs) and i was like damn that hits home ouch
0: and but he won't care oh no no no. but the rest of us like you get
1: what what that quote is saying
0: but the funny thing is you'd put that right in front of him and he wouldn't even like think it was about him
1: he'd be like that's a dumb quote that doesn't make any sense
0: i wonder who they're talking about
1: yeah Oh man.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening to the Unlearning Project. It's a new rebrand from the old podcasts. Mm-hmm. The train of thought with the Unlearning Project is I want to talk about things that have been put upon us from our upbringing that I want to try to dig into and try to figure out are they true and whose story is this and should I still believe these kinds of stories and just talking about you know this trolley experiments
1: mm-hmm.
0: and ethics and how we think about the pandemic right now. It's very easy for people to think of one side or the other and really take this hard stance. Mm-hmm. But I think it's so much more productive to look at both sides and always right. try to fight the point that your opponent's fighting. You know, Just try to figure it out. See where he's coming from. You still may not agree with it, but it's okay. Like, just at least look at it from his perspective.
1: Right, try to see their angle.
0: Yeah, and I want to kind of do this with all episodes going forward, just seeing the different angles of things that we took for granted or that we just took as facts. So come join us. My name is Al Gugliotta. This is The Unlearning Project. And this is Virginia Elder, my co-host.
1: Keep an eye out on unlearningproject.org. And then on Instagram at unlearning underscore project.
0: Excellent. Thanks, Virginia.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Al. I enjoyed seeing you today.
0: Me too. We'll see you next
1: week. See you next time.